And so I'd like just to, to open us in a word of prayer, and, uh, and then we'll get into our, our evening uh, through this session. Father, thank you that, Lord, we've been talking about you being the initiator of all life. Lord, in the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. And then you created us, God. You created man and woman. And in your image, you created us. And Lord, you initiated as well our being aware that you are there. You initiated as well our knowing you. Desiring to adore you and behold you. And to realize that we need a savior. And that savior is not us. That savior is not government. That savior is not a 401k plan. You and you alone are savior. And so Lord, tonight as we gather together, Lord, would you bring to us an even deeper revelation and awareness of how great your love is for us. And that even our being here tonight, Lord, though we may not fully understand that, is because you invited us. Beyond some friend inviting us, Lord, you are the one that is bringing us to yourself. And so capture our hearts and reveal yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if the Bible is true, and we have been talking about the truth of the Bible, and the resurrection of Jesus is as well, Jesus' promise of sending the Holy Spirit to bring new life to us is also true. If one is true, they're all true. There is a line of truth that we can follow and should follow that causes us to have ever-increasing faith. So if Christ came, if Christ was buried, if Christ was resurrected, if Christ was ascended, then he did send the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit is for us to experience as much of God that we can, as we can on this side of our last heartbeat. The new life that one receives in being, by being born again of the Spirit empowers us to experience three things that are so important. To love God completely. To love ourselves correctly. And to love others compassionately. To love God completely. Ourselves correctly. And to love others compassionately. The more you, I've found in my life and others that are in Christ have found in their lives, the more I love Jesus, the more I accept the fact that I am a frail human being, imperfect. And I love myself more correctly the more I experience and love God preeminently. And that, and that pours out into my love for others to be compassionate to them, in a, in a day where uh, it seems like there's more division and more hatred and shorter fuses of patience, it is the work of God in us by the Spirit 
to be able to love others compassionately because we're loving God through the power of God's spirit completely. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we're here tonight, to learn more of him. And if we, and if we have yet not done so, to even tonight, on October 28th, to receive him, for tonight to be possibly an opportunity, once again, to say, I do, to Jesus, if that's never been done. So tonight, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the initial work, as we've talk, been talking about and we talked about last week, the initial, the initial work, the most essential work, is to birth us into Christ. If that doesn't happen, nothing else happens. It, it, it'd be like having a car but never putting any gasoline in it. It's not going anywhere without the fuel to drive, to, be, the, to combust among those pistons and make that car Go, it's just a heap of metal. We're just lifeless beings. We may be alive physically, but our ability to commune with God is not there because the Spirit of God has not animated us. Um, So what does Jesus say that the Holy Spirit does? We talked about this a little bit um, last last, uh, Tuesday night. We talked about, remember that... The Holy Spirit is God's real estate agent, right? He shows us our real estate before him. He shows us that apart from him, we're in Adam. We're fully separated from God. We may be aware of God. Remember, I turned this cup over and I said, there are things that are happening in our lives that are making us wonder, is there something going on? Is God getting my attention? But we're still, though we may be God conscious, you know, there's a there's a scripture in in that uh, in the James's letter to the churches that says about belief, says that even the demons believe, but they tremble. So believing, there's a big difference between believing about God and believing in God. Most people in the world will say they believe in God, but they really believe about God. I believed about God. I was in Adam thinking I was okay because I was a better person than, well, not most of you, all of you, for sure. And, um, and, and that was my arrogance. It really was just how arrogant I was. But I used that, that fakeness, to make me feel like God was okay with me through my own efforts. And I came to find that was just the antithesis of the truth. I was still in Adam Praying, going to church, doing all the things that I was supposed to do as a good religious boy, but still separated from God in my sins. And so Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, this is what he does. He comes to convict us, convict us who were in Adam, convict the world concerning our sinfulness, our really our unrighteousness, the fact that I am sinful that there is nothing right in me, we'll talk about that in a little bit more in a minute, and that I am under God's judgment as I am in Adam, not because of anything I've done or not done, because I was born into a family separated from God. I received the spiritual DNA of my progenitor, Adam and Eve. And so this is what he says. What does he do? What does he do? He comes 
to convince us that we need a savior. He comes to convince us that in Adam, I, am, I may live 70, 80, 90 years of affluence and wealth and health, maybe better than 99% of the world. But what does it profit a man, Jesus says, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 90 years wise, eternally foolish. And so that's what, that's what he does. And I wrote here in the book, um, he is God's activator, right? That, you know, what, what is an activator? Well, in chemistry, it is a substance used to induce or accelerate a chemical reaction. It's something from outside that comes inside and brings a reaction. And that's what happens. The Spirit of God comes into my dead spirit. He gives me life. He takes me out of Adam and he places me forever into Christ me to never be in Adam, separated from God again. That is the work of God's Spirit. That is a great work, a, a work that you and I could never do. And we have to understand that. I did not understand that. I could not give myself life. How does a dead person give a dead person life? You can't. But God, who is life, came and gave his life to this dead man so that I would be separated now from death and placed forever into life. And that is great news. Okay, so he is God's real estate agent, he is God's activator, and he is God's life giver. I, I love this scripture in John 6. This is what Jesus says here. It is the Spirit who gives life. Okay, anybody think they can give themselves life? If I think that, I've got a problem with Jesus because he's contradicting me. If the scripture is true, then I am untrue. In my believing that, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh, okay? That's us and Adam, our own efforts, our religious efforts, our best efforts, our sincere efforts. They're nice efforts. But the flesh is of no help at all in what? In receiving life. So this, the spirit gives me life. The flesh is worthless. The words I have spoken to you, Jesus said, are spirit and life. So Jesus right here, just in this one verse, as John records these words of Jesus, shows a clear delineation that there is nothing you and I can do to put ourselves in God's good stead. It is the Holy Spirit that first convinces us that that's true. I had to come to grips with the fact that is true, Frank Loria, in you, that is in your flesh, dwells nothing redeemable. That's, that's hard for my pride. Remember we talked about my dear friend? You know, why would you not accept this? Remember his three-letter word? Remember? Do you, you remember what it was? Ego. I don't want to have to admit that there's, that there's nothing in me. Oh, come on, there's got to be something in me. <laughs> well, according to Jesus, there's nothing in me that commends me to him. But the great news is the Spirit of God comes and does for us what we can't do for ourselves. If you look um, in your book here, just past that, it says, Jesus is confirming in this statement, John 6, 63, that there is nothing anyone can do to make themselves acceptable to God and suitable for heaven. He mic drops with this statement. The flesh is of no help 
at all. Get it? And that's really the question. Do you get it? Remember Jesus said to, we talked about this maybe week two, Jesus said to Martha, uh, there was Mary and Martha, two sisters, their brother Lazarus dies. Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says to her, Martha, I am the resurrection. Don't, don't tell me, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, if he dies, will live. And he who lives in me will never die. And then he adds this little caveat, like this little get it. That's what he's saying. Do you, do you get it? Do you believe this? It may be true, Martha. And it is true that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies and he who believes in me will never die. The, the catch there, the hook there is, do you believe it? And that's the, as I said, with this mic drop here, do we get that? Can I tell you? I didn't get it. I needed the Holy Spirit to get it. And I believe that's, again, that's why you're here tonight, I believe, because the Holy Spirit is helping us get it more and more. I want to get that more. I want to keep getting that until I'm with him. So here is, this is the most essential thing for you and me. And I, I just stole this from Pastor Peter Davidson, who, um, who came up with these three W's, what the Spirit does. He warns us, he woos us, and he wins us. I just think that's great. Uh, Barbara Walters would do great with all those W's. Um, <laughs> brave woman. So first, he warns us. You know, life is about warning, isn't it? I mean, how, many, how can any of us go through a day without being warned about something? I mean, there's warnings every... There's just warnings everywhere. Just one warning after another. And I don't know why this is coming up right now, but we're going to go with this anyway. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Oh, this is what this is. He warns us about our true condition before God. I'm ahead of myself. I'm sorry. I'm so excited about this next thing. Um, so he warns us about our true condition before God. He woos us to turn from our sins and our shame and turn to him. I, I love the song that Abby led us in tonight. You know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And then he wins us. He wins us to accept the life of forgiveness an unconditional acceptance that is found and offered only by Jesus Christ. Do you understand this? No one, which if you look at every religion on the planet, no one offers eternal life. They offer rules. They offer regulations. They offer um, efforts and moral codes. Jesus offers himself as our only means of life. He gives us his life so we can have life. And so, so we go through a life full of warnings. And it, they're, they're, and now with the, I mean, there are lawsuits for just about anything now, aren't there? And so you've got to write a warning label on just about everything. So here's, here's, here's a warning label. Caution, remove child before folding. Thinking, I mean, really? Would you think not to do that? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, warning, never use a lit match or open flame to check fuel level. That could be hair-raising if you did that. Um, um, do not iron while wearing shirt. Um, have you ever tried to do that? Come on, ladies, have you ever... I mean, 
Has anybody ever just, you know, I'm sure I can. Um, so does that laughter because you have? Is that? Okay, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, why take it off? I mean, it's just, just put the board under your, oh, may irritate eyes. I mean, who are you warning that pepper spray could irritate eyes? Um, and lastly, not intended for highway use. I thought the wheelbarrow was perfect for us because of, but it's not intended for highway use. And so we get, we get warnings all the time. Some warnings are big deals. I mean, you go next to an electrical substation. I mean, they're giving you big, if you want to die, jump over this fence and touch some of the electrical stuff. They're warning. Our parents gave us warnings, warnings, warnings all the time. Um, you know, all the crazy things that we were told by our parents that just weren't true, right? I mean, we could probably talk about that for a long time. But, um, but here's a warning that was horrific. April 14th, 1912. The Titanic is going through icy waters. Lots of warnings going into the radio booth of the Titanic about icebergs. Unheeded, ungiven, unpassed on to the captain. And... Um, and on April 15th, 1912, 1,500 people died because a warning went without reply. Um, the Holy Spirit comes and warns us. It is his job to warn us. I mean, can there be a more important warning than this warning? And without Christ, this is from, this is in your booklet as well, but Without Christ, this is what Paul writes to the, in, in Ephesians, his letter to the Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we're dead, separated from God in our trespasses and sins. We are following the course of this world. We are in Adam. We are going in the wrong direction. Jesus says, though in Matthew chapter 7, I believe, he says, the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. And he said that way is also easy. So the course of the world is broad and it leads to destruction. We're following the prince of the power of air, the air. Two weeks ago we talked about Satan and evil and his efforts to destroy us. And I remember I said to you, I, we need to take this personally. Take this personally. That Satan's intention for each and every one of us is to destroy us. Without Christ, we're living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And then by nature, we are children of wrath. We're Adam's kin, like the rest of mankind. That's where we find ourselves. And, and the Bible supports that in other places. We see this in Romans 6.23. Remember, for the wages of sin, what are wages? Something you earn. The wages of our being in Adam is death. And we just, we just corroborate the truth of that with our sinful, self-centered actions and attitudes. Paul wrote also, all have sinned and come short of, of the glory of God, come short of that which is acceptable to God. And then there is, remember, there is none righteous, not even me, not even you. So... We see here the scripture is very clear. And then Jesus comes and says, 
to Nicodemus, the most, one of the most religious people on the planet at the time. He says, I say to you, truly, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's just not going to happen. So either what Jesus says is true or what I was believing was true. Unless one is born, why do I need to be born again? Because, Frank, you're born in Adam, just like everybody else that's drawn breath, that's born of flesh, born of man. You have to be born, you were born physically alive, spiritually separated from me. Now you need to be born again. You need to be born spiritually. You need to be taken out of Adam. You need to have your sinfulness removed, and you need my righteousness imputed to you. That's what Jesus is making really clear to us. And because of this, like I said, our separation makes us unacceptable to him, but God not only warns us, he woos us. And if we don't have life, I said that means we're dead. We're dead to God, that is. And the Bible declares that, but he woos us. I mean, I mean all, all day long you get... Tr- you, there's somebody trying to sell you something. Somebody's trying to woo you to something. You know, whether it's a new car, it's time for the new car, or a new product, a new detergent. I mean, you get, all of these things we're trying to be wooed to, but, but God desires nothing for us but our best. He desires to woo us from death to life. He's already paid for what we need with the life of his son, This is what Jesus said. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to woo you. He's going to guide you into the truth. He's going to direct you. Instead of being on the, following the course of the world, that broad way that leads to destruction, Jesus will guide us into all the truth about himself. And that is what we so need. And so, He guides us into the truth. And then Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, for our sake, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Okay, God made Christ who had no sin to take on our sinfulness so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. That is amazing and wonderful. For whose sake did he do that? For, just put your name here, Mike, for your sake, Val, for your sake, Bob, for your sake, God made Christ who was sinless to take on your sin, to take on my sin, so that now being in Christ, I could become the righteousness of God. God would accept me based on Christ's righteousness. Why did he do that? To woo me to himself. That's why he did that. Remember, John 3.16. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. He comes to woo us. Okay, I would imagine as, you know, ladies, if you're married, you were wooed by your husband. Okay, you were, he did things to draw you to himself. Well, here comes God, perfect, wanting nothing but you, now and forever, to give you life. He's come to win us to 
himself, to woo us and then to win us. And I wrote here in the book, God initiated, you see this uh, middle of the next page, God initiated the, re- the rescue mission to redeem each of us to himself. And if not for his intervention, you and I would continue running to the, all the way to the edge of the cliff, finally jumping off into the arms of Satan's everlasting dominion of death. I mean, just let that, let that sink in for a moment. Finally jumping off when our heartbeat sits last into the arms of Satan's everlasting dominion of death. And so he warns us, he woos us, and then he wins us. His desire is to win us. Look at this is, I don't have this up on the board here, so just look in your book here. Being born again in Christ, we receive and experience God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive in Christ. We receive an experience that he raised us up with him, Paul continues to write, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. And he did this so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. His richness of mercy, his immeasurable riches of grace, all those things brought him to come and rescue you and me from running headlong off the edge of a cliff into the arms of eternal death. Wow. That's what God has done. And that's why the Spirit is here to show us how deeply we need Him. Paul Paul wrote to, to Titus this. He said, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, because we can't do any works in righteousness in Adam. But he saved us according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration, he gave us new life, regenerated us, and the renewal of the Holy Spirit by giving us new life. This is what he did. So he comes to win us. And so Jesus' work on the cross at the top of page, of the next page, the Jesus' work on the cross that is completed in our spirits continues in our souls and is expressed through our bodies. Now, I'm going to show you a diagram in just a minute, but one of the questions that, that we often get is, you know, I, 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 I got in the wheelbarrow, I've, I've received the gift, I said I do, I, I feel different, but... I'm still sinning. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Just stand in line with the rest of us. But, but shouldn't that stop if I'm in Christ? Um, I, I would say that it diminishes. Um, but we're still in these bodies. And it's, it's, it's very clear that what... Remember when I, we talked about a couple of weeks ago? That when you have... If, Ladies, when you have a child, you and your husband have a child together, that child is perfectly yours, completely 100% yours. 
But that child of yours is not 100% perfect, though they are perfectly yours. And that same thing is true spiritually. It would be a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? If that weren't the case, raising kids would be a lot easier. They just did everything we told them to do. That may not be the smartest thing for them to do, but it would make it easier for us if we did that. And so I want to just show you some, some scriptures that, that support that. The letter of Philippians, he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're in Christ, this one who started this work in you will complete it. He is faithful even when you and I aren't. Our kids are still our kids even when they don't act like it or even maybe not. we don't want them to be our kids. Um, he writes here another place in Philippians. He's, this is the Apostle Paul saying, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, I press on to make it my own. In other words, the holiness of God my own because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, all that was of me and Adam, all the screw-ups, all the, all the selfish things that I did and desired, and straining forward to what is ahead, lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit Causing Paul to pursue now as being in Christ to more deeply pursue him. And then in, to the Romans, Paul wrote, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Look, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed any longer to the way the world thinks, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So this transformation work continues even when I am in Christ. It's so important for me to see that. And so what I want to do is I want to just kind of give you uh, a, a way of seeing what we've talked about. So just turn to that next page. And, and so what you can do with these is just, just with your pen, you can fill in some of these. But I want to just show you here these three concentric circles. Now, the, the Bible teaches that we are body, okay? So this doesn't look like anyone's body here, but this just for sake of illustration, here's our body. That we are body, that we are soul, and that we are spirit, Okay? And our spirit relates to God. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so our spirit and our very innermost being relates to God. Now, now some folks will just take and connect soul and spirit as one. And I don't have a problem with that, but for the, just for the sake of this illustration, I'll keep them separate. Our soul, which is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions, I'll put that up in there, relates to others, certainly relates to God, our thinking, our feeling, our communication. But we communicate with one another with our will, with our emotions, with our intellect. So our soul relates to others. Our body relates to our environment. 
My hands are really cold right now. I'm feeling that it's chilly. All right. And my body relates to my environment. But apart from Christ, my spirit is dead. Right. I am separated from that communion with God. The day even Adam and Eve ate of it, they died and I inherited that. And so I am affected from the outside world. It's what's on the outside that affects me because in the very essence of my being, I am separated from God. So let's just take a more, another look at this. So the soul, I said, is made up with, of our mind in which we think with, our will in which we choose with, and our emotions in which we feel with. Okay, that happens how many times during the day? I mean, it constantly we're thinking, we're choosing, we're emoting, we're feeling things. And so, again, the world is working, but when we come to Christ, now the spirit in us begins to change the way we... Remember Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The spirit of God begins to change the way we think, the way we choose, and the way we feel. That's what he does. The spirit inside of us now does that and then from that we it begins to change the way we speak the places we find ourselves the way we respond to particular drivers or particular people that we work with or neighbors or even ourselves remember i said that when we when the spirit gets a hold of us we love god completely and we begin to love ourselves correctly i mean uh, correctly and others compassionately and so the and then the, like i said the body then we begin to exercise this new life we have to those around us so in terms of what happens here in my spirit remember jesus said when he hung from the cross he says it is finished when he said it is finished, he meant it is finished. But where was it finished? It was finished in terms of my relationship with God. That was forever sealed and made perfect by the Spirit. Remember, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Jesus said say that which is born of the Spirit is becoming Spirit. You're progressively becoming alive to me. No, you are fully in Adam or you are fully in Christ. I'm fully in Adam or I'm fully in Christ. And so, in Christ, it is finished. I am as accepted by God as I will ever be, based on the work of the Holy Spirit who drew me to believe that Jesus is, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life. So I have been, past completed action, past perfect completed action, I have been saved. I have been rescued. Okay, you with me? Okay. Now, let's just look at the, my mind and my will and emotions. I remember talking, I'm still sinning, Frank. I'm still not doing the things I want to do. The Apostle Paul even said that. He said, the good I want to do, I'm not doing it. Here's the Apostle Paul said this. What I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing still. He's writing the Bible and giving this testimony, this confession. So in my mind and in my will and in my emotions... It is being finished. I am being saved. The process is continuing. 
So it is finished in terms of my relationship with God, in my relationship with myself and others. It is being finished. There's still a work of transformation. You, you know that. If you've been in Christ for a while, you know that. And so the process continues. It is finished. It is being finished. And then in my body, well, my body's just going to have to wait. It will be finished. My body, the Bible says that we will one day put off this body. God will give us a new body that will last forever. He says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, we'll put off this tent and we'll receive a building. Isn't that interesting? We'll put off a tent and receive a building. And so, so you see here, so our spirit, because the spirit is in us now, life is from the inside out, not the outside in. We know Christ. The more we know Christ, the more we're transformed in the way we think and choose and feel. And the more that oozes out of us into the world and to those around us. And this process continues until the day we die and we get a new body. And so it is finished in terms of my relationship with God. It is being finished in terms of my relationship to myself and to others. And my body, Paul says, my body is going down, but my spirit's going up. We're going to get a new body. And so that is, that is what the spirit of God does. Um, and so I hope this is helpful in you and me understanding this. There's a decision that the Spirit of God draws me to make that changes me. Uh, dear friend of, of Annette's and mine, I don't even know if, if David, is, David Needham is still on the planet. But he, in sharing an analogy similar to this, he said, um, let me just let you know. He said, if somebody were to walk up to me, put a gun to my head and pull the trigger... And blow my brains out. If I could speak from the, from the other side, he, I would tell him, you missed. You missed. Because who we are in that which will last forever is spirit. Jesus said, do not fear man who can only kill the body. Fear God who can send both body and and, and soul into hell. And so the picture that we get, the work of God's spirit is to confirm to us that we are children of God. And then as he confirms to us that we are his, he begins to change us more and more and more because we see more and more of how deeply we are loved, how completely we are accepted. And that means I don't have to do a dog and pony show for you because the one who holds much higher standard then you already says 100% completely for all time accepted by me. If I will respond to his offer of eternal life. Right? I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. He who believes in me will never die. He will live, live even if he dies. He who believes in me will never die. Do you Believe this. Will you get in the wheelbarrow? Will you receive the gift? Will you say, I do? And tonight, I don't know. I just, I wrote here on the, um, in your booklet, just 
just to go back one question. Where are you? If in Adam, you're still in your sins, under condemnation, separated from God now and forever. God does not want that for you. But he can't do any more than he has done to prove it. He made the first move. What will you, what will we decide? And I think that's really where, where, we, where we are this evening. We've been warned, we've been wooed, and that is wonderful. But we must respond to be one. Remember, you can believe all the right things about someone at the, at the wedding altar and never say, I do. Jesus said, even the demons believe and they tremble. What will we do with this offer? It's extended. He says, I come to bring you life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And that's his promise to us. Will we say, I do, even this evening? This has, again, nothing to do with your church affiliation, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal. There are no Catholics or Baptists or Methodists or Episcopals in heaven. There are no denominations in heaven. There are only those who are in Christ. And so any invitation I share with you tonight has nothing to do with where you attend, what building, what sign is on the outside. This is my sign with apart from Christ. That's the only sign that matters to God. He's still in Adam. Frank is still in Adam. I need to take him out of Adam and place him into Christ. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. But I want to do this just before we go. I want to, um, they're going to bring dessert out for us in a minute. Um, but uh, I'd like us just to pray together. So could we just, just bow for a moment? And I just want to encourage you. Uh, you've heard a lot over these seven, now eight sessions of Alpha. Um, what is God doing? How is he communicating to you? Well, I, I'd, I, I'd like, I said at the beginning of the evening, I'd want to just give you an opportunity to respond. Um, if tonight, and you, ha you haven't done this before, but if tonight you would like to say, I do to Jesus, if you believe God has been calling you and you've yet to respond, I just want you to ask, ask you to do something. Well, well, nobody's looking around. Eyes are closed. Would you just do this? Would you just, Frank, I want to no longer be in Adam. I want to be in Christ. I want to know God. I want to love God. I want God to take over and to direct me the rest of my life. If that's something that you would like to do, would you just, just slip your hand up for a moment and um, and I will just um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mike, thank you, thank you. Uh, 
But what I want to do is, is this. Um, I just want to give uh, you an opportunity to, uh, to just spend a, just a moment with someone that would just like to pray with you. And um, so, um, guys, if you could help here and just um, pray with those that, that raise their hand for a second. Would you mind just, just raise your hand just for another second here? This is not to... Um, okay. So could we do this? I'm just going to I'm just going to pray again and just give you guys an opportunity to to pray with those folks. So, Father, thank you for this act of faith, God, this act of faith to reach out to you. Lord, just in a time of prayer together, God, would you uh, just bless these who have responded to you, Lord? God, you say that the angels rejoice when we are taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. God, may this just be the first day, God, of ever-increasing transformation into the image of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.